Hello and welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. You are joined by me, Ryan McGowan, and as always, James Kay. Merry Christmas, James. How are you? Merry Christmas, Ryan, for yesterday. I'm very well, thank you. It is Boxing Day um, and we're all stuffed still from our massive Christmas dinners and sleepy and we're playing with our gifts and tech. Uh, This is what I assume I'm doing because... It's not Boxing Day yet. <laughs> it's not. It's December 21st for us. It is. Um, so, yes, I hope uh, you listeners have had a, a fantastic Christmas Day. I hope you are enjoying it, uh, no matter what you're doing around the world. Um, yeah. This episode uh, is one of, uh, well, it's technically our darker episode. And as we know, I'm, I'm, I am I'm, quite enjoy doing these darker episodes. And as it's a Christmas... A little bit too much. And as it's Christmas, I thought, uh, let's go for something that happened on Boxing Day in 1996. So we are going with the one of the most famous murder mystery cases in American history, the uh, the death of John Benet Ramsey. Um, so, really, we have to kick off with the fact that it's the year 1996, right? Uh, so what's happened? Well, in America, Bill Clinton has been re-elected the President of the United States. Uh, the Macarena was number one in the United States charts for 14 weeks in 1996. That's how popular the Macarena was. Bloody hell. Yeah. America fucking loved the Macarena. America loved the Macarena. Um, the PlayStation 1 had just come out. One of the greatest gaming consoles ever to uh, grace the planet. Besides, like, I had Game Boys and stuff, but I think other than that, the PlayStation 1 was my first ever console. Uh, uh, well, yeah, no, my first ever console was a Sega, a Sega Genesis. Mm, I never never had that. I never had a GameCube or any of that. It was Game Boy, PlayStation, PlayStation 2, and then so forth. Yeah, no, the first console I was, I had... Uh, was the Sega. That's the first one I ever played. That was my dad's. And then he bought the PlayStation 1. And from then on, it was PlayStation from then on. And uh, obviously in 1996, I was only three years old. I was one. <laughs> and it is, uh, it's Christmas, okay? It's uh, it's Christmas time. Uh, America is celebrating Christmas. So, um, what we've done, dear listener, uh, is James and I have watched uh, a documentary. Uh, it's one of our uh, beloved documentary episodes that you guys really seem to enjoy. We've done one on, uh, what's her face? Another one in, in Italy. Um, Amanda Knox. Amanda Knox, which uh, you guys still seem to really enjoy. Those listeners, uh, that episode gets listened to quite a lot. Uh, so we've done one on Amanda Knox. Uh, we've done some other ones. I think it was the Stan- Stanford Experiment as well. Um, yeah. We, so we, where Ryan watched the wrong film yeah we did watch the wrong films uh, but we, we've done a couple of these documentary episodes where we watch the documentary and basically uh, try to talk about the case and sometimes talk about the documentary itself and how they cover it uh, and basically just sort of get our uh, two cents on on certain cases and events in history uh, so we've kind of done the same with this one um, so yeah we're kind of just going to go through it like that so to start with, who are the key players in this story? Uh, so first we have John Bennett Ramsey. Uh, John Bennett Ramsey is father of the Ramsey clan. 
He is a retired Air Force officer turned businessman. Uh, he helped to create a company called Access Graphics, which is a subsidiary of uh, the overall weapons uh, company Lockheed Martin. And they're like they're big into what he's doing. So it's not a small company by any means. In fact, in 1996, it made a profit of a billion dollars. In 1996, a billion dollars. A lot of money. Yeah. And it's also, I think it's said that he was either awarded or nominated Entrepreneur of the Year in 96. So, yeah. Um, we also have his wife, Patsy Ramsey. Now, as as much as I've just bigged up John, uh, Patsy is a former beauty pageant queen turned trophy wife. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a trophy wife, because I don't know about you, James, but I would 100% be a trophy husband if I was given the chance. All I'm saying, oh, for sure. Yeah, right. All I'm saying is, look, she married well, and kudos to you, right? That you should be applauded for that. We also, oh yeah, she used her looks to get into money. Fair play. Yeah, uh, and we also have uh, older son Burke Ramsey. Burke is nine years old, and we also have the youngest of the Ramsey clan, John Bonet Ramsey. She is six years old, um, and she is the focus of our episode, of course. Uh, and uh, you you mentioned briefly on our last episode towards the end it's of it. It's just clicked in my head. It's literally just clicked in my head why she's called John Bennet. Yep, yep, you've got it. It's because his dad's called fucking John Bennett. Yep, yep. It's a bastardization of his own fucking name. <laughs> on the, I've watched, like, what, three hours of a documentary and it's only just clicked that that's, oh, for God's sakes. I know, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Like, how arrogant. Uh, listen, right, can we can we just for a second talk about naming your child after yourself and the levels of arrogance and just sheer like what's the word like ego you need to do that i don't understand mm. why people name themselves their children after themselves i don't understand Funny enough i've literally just seen a tweet about this george foreman named all of his kids george there's five of them what <laughs> he had five sons and he called them all george that's so bizarre <laughs> They're not models of his grill. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, there's not... <laughs> fucking hell. George. Yeah, I'll just find that. George 1, George 2, George 3, George 4, George 5. I hope they're all boys as well. I think they are. I'm, I'm trying to find the tweet. I think I've lost it, but I've literally just about 10 minutes ago read it, and I just thought it was wonderful. <laughs> the other ones are called Georgina. <laughs> yeah, just some sort of George variant. Yeah, yeah, but no, so uh, John Bennett and Patsy named their daughter... John Bonet, Patricia Ramsey, after themselves. It's just arrogant, isn't it? Oh, God. Just the, the shit ego of these rich people, man. <laughs> now, uh, John Bonet uh, is uh, also a beauty pageant girl, like her mother before her. Uh, now, I, I, I wanted to just, straight off the bat, I wanted to get your opinion on beauty pageants, especially for these girls as young as six years old doing it, and what what what's your thoughts on that because i have my own it's never the children's choice it's usually the 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 parents normally the mothers 100 percent. no totally agree um and and obviously we get into it but obviously like the the hair was dyed like splattered with makeup and if that if if your kid enjoys it i'm not going to bash it because some people really enjoy it but i think there is an element of cruelty especially when kids are forced like i think a lot of kids are forced into these pageants yeah, no, I agree. So, th listen, I'm not a parent. I don't know, right? 
and I'm sure there'd be parents out there that would say, no, my kid does enjoy it. And I'm sure they do. But there's like, it's difficult. Like, I I don't necessarily agree with the whole dressing your six-year-old child. Like, like, I don't know, guys, guys, take a quick second to Google John Bonet Ramsey and have a look at the pictures of John Bonet in her pageantry outfits and gear. Like, she's six years old. Six. This girl has just about got fucking milk teeth in her face and she's got makeup plastered on over her, like, to make her look a little older. And it's just bizarre. I do, there's something very sinister about it as well because obviously it's not overtly sexualizing the children, but there's definitely an element of sexualizing children and judging them on their looks, which is it's it's fucked. Yeah, it, no, absolutely. Like, I'm sure it's fun to dress up. Like, there's lo- there's le- there's loads of stories of children like wearing their mum's makeup and outfits. In fact, I I have a bizarre anecdote of about wearing my mum's nighty once, but we'll not get into that on this episode right now. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> um, maybe one day I'll tell it. Maybe it'd be like a you pay for it, and I'll tell you the story. Uh, <laughs> um, Patreon. Yeah, oh, yeah. Maybe one day we'll have a Patreon and we'll we'll uh, we'll put that on there. Um, anyway, kids like to dress up. Kids love it, right? But I don't necessarily kids enjoy being judged by adults as to how pretty they are because their kids no, don't have if, any. Like, if I- you don't win. Yeah, exactly, right? Because imagine that you're dressing you. up. You're dressing up. You think you look the shit, man, and you're six. And you're really enjoying it, and you looks fun, and it and and it's you're having a good time. And then you don't win. Try telling the child why they didn't win at six years old because you're not pretty. Then also, or like whatever. If you do consistently win, that's going to be damaging as well. Because obviously, sometimes like these, as uh, Patsy did, she. Uh, was good looking so she married into a rich family and her life was pretty easy but sometimes life isn't always like that so if you're constantly winning as a child based on your looks you're going to think life's going to be a doddle and then suddenly it's going to hit you and it's it's that's when mental health issues begin for sure and john bonet ramsey is a winner she has won i think she started at the age of four beauty pageants because her mum did it so she lives through her daughter to continue doing it, obviously um so whether john bonet likes it or not patsy does so John Bonet's doing it, and John Bonet's been doing it since she was four. She's now six, and I think she, at this point she's won around twenty pageants. It's like she's a serial veteran of these competitions. Now, let's talk about the place, the setting of our story. Uh, we're talking about Boulder, Colorado. Uh, this place, as far as I'm concerned, is in the middle of a desert. This is an oasis in a desert. It, like it seems bizarre. There's just mountains. Like, I think it's the Rockies. Um, is just around them. Uh, this nice little quiet city, college city, very famous college there. Um, and yeah, and then if we zoom in a bit more, we come to the Ramsey household, which is a 15 room mansion. Like, and I'm not, I'm not talking about like some two bed house in King's Cross, London that costs like two million pounds. This is a 15 room mansion that doesn't even look like it from the outside. It looks like a nice little American home. This is 15 mm, yeah. rooms, and there's only four of them living in it. Yeah, who needs that much space? Yeah, now this family are very, very wealthy. Um, and I, James, I don't know if you've seen the Christmas video. Have you seen the, the Ramsey Christmas video? 
I think it does ring a bell, yeah. Yeah, I think it pops up on many a documentary. Uh, it's this like nice idyllic video of the Ramsey household with all the snow outside and decorations. And I think it was been filmed like a year or two before, because uh, you see John Bonet and she's really young, um, and you see like Patsy sat around with her kids and all the decorations and the presents, and she's like, "Oh, welcome to our home, Merry Christmas from the Ramsey family." Da 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 da, and it's like. Each room in this house is meticulously decorated for Christmas, like mm. which shows that Patsy didn't really have much to do. But anyway, the, 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 this video for me it sort of shows what kind of a family we're dealing with in terms of the scale of their wealth. Um, it's 1994. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a guess. Even if it was 96, it's way too early. Most people have a camera, but it's not digital. It's tape, right? They've got a tape recorder camera in maybe their household but like mm-hmm. making home videos like that where it's all edited lovely and it's got fancy transitions and everything you don't just do that at home like you don't have iMovie on your mac where you can just like make it on your laptop um you have to pay for someone to make this kind of video and it's it's very well produced so you know that it's been paid for because uh, john certainly doesn't have enough time for it and although patsy might have enough time as a trophy wife they have a they have a cleaning lady, um, so she definitely doesn't do her own chores. So I don't think she'd make her own video. She's too busy making decorations and decorating the house and saying what needs to be done. Anyway, I think it's a, it's an interesting tidbit to look into in terms of just trying to understand how rich this family are and what we're kind of dealing mm. with as as people. Because um, I yeah. think money can taint the the psyche, as it will. Oh, for sure. So. Now we've got the players of our story and we have the place. So what happened? Now, on Christmas Day, the Ramses are celebrating it like many other Americans. They're giving gifts to their children. Uh, like John Bonet, she receives a bike for Christmas. Uh, and, 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 and later on in the day, the family were at a friend's Christmas party for the evening. And it was, as John puts it, quote, way past dark. So the kids were zonked out and Rams and the Ramses had a long day ahead of them on Boxing Day. See, they were due to fly on a private jet home to their second home in Michigan. And I, th- that's just the second home that we know about. They also live in Atlanta. So as far as we know, there's three homes that they have. And if, mm. if they're all like the 15-bed mansion in Colorado, like, you know, there's some serious wealth going on. So, obviously, like I say, they've got a busy day coming up. So, they are deciding that they're going to get on their private jet on Boxing Day nice and early. They're going to fly to Michigan where they're going to do whatever they need to do. So, they headed home and the kids were put to sleep. And the parents set their alarms for 5.30 a.m. Now, Patsy was the first to rise on Boxing Day, December 26th of 1996. She climbed down the stairs and as she got down the stairs, she noticed on one of the steps three pieces of paper and this is what was written on those pieces of paper now i'm going to read this verbatim as it is on the paper okay no quote mr ramsey listen carefully we are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction we respect your business but not the country that it serves at this time we have your daughter in our possession she is safe and unharmed 
and if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account. $100,000 will be in $100 bills, and the remaining $18,000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate sized attaché to the bank. When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be well rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money, and hence an earlier delivery pickup of your daughter. Any deviation of my instruction will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied her remains for proper burial. The two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise you not to provoke them. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as the police, FBI, etc., will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert the bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked out or tampered with, she dies. You will be scanned for electronic devices, and if any are found, she dies. You can try to deceive us, but be warned, we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the authorities. Don't try to grow a brain, John. You are not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good southern common sense of yours. It is up to you now, John. Victory. S-B-T-C. Woo. That's I mean, as ransom notes go, the first things first is fucking long, isn't it? Like, get to the point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, the ransom note is incredibly long. It's it's ridiculously long. I think it's like one of the longest bloody ransom notes in American history in terms of being used. It's it's ridiculously long. Um, listen, we, we'll talk about the ransom note a little bit later on. Um, but in terms of... Um, the timeline of events uh, upon reading this ransom note patsy rushes to her daughter's room and is shocked to find that she is not there and at 05:52 a.m so this is what uh 22 minutes later after she wakes up mm-hmm. she calls the police now um for those of those uh, you that don't like necessarily 911 calls, I can understand they are quite distressing. I am about to play that 911 call now.
So James, you've heard this as well. Um, what were your thoughts on it like? Um, initially, there was a lot of panic. There's a lot of panic in her voice. Um, but then, obviously, I think we'll go into it a little bit later, unless you want to go into it now. There are there are some things that she says that are very weird. Yeah, it's sort of like the terms of like we. I'm the mother. Like. It, she's sort of like distancing herself from her daughter. It's very distant, yeah. Which it's it's bizarre. It's really bizarre behavior. But obviously, she like she could very well be in shock. So you don't know how people would react at this in this crisis. But there are some weird things, and obviously, the the little clip at the end of the um the phone call is just very oh, mm. dare I say disturbing. How her her entire demeanor changes. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Now, it took three minutes the police to arrive at the Ramsey home which in terms of response time is actually very good. That's a good, yeah, fucking fair play. It's a very good one, especially like 5.30 in the morning, only 6am. Yeah. Now, two officers came and did an initial search of the home. One officer at the basement level comes across a door that is locked with a latch. Now, the officer decides not to look behind the door since they were looking for any signs of a break-in or out and concluded that the kidnapper wouldn't have gone through this door because they wouldn't be able to lock it again from the other side. Now, that does make sense, but you are here to search for a missing child. So, you know, what if that child got in the room and that somehow... Yeah, it, leave no stone unturned. Yeah, exactly. Leave no stone unturned. Like, what What are you going to do? You're going to open it and there's nothing there. Oh, well, what have you lost? You're a police officer. It's your job. Do it. So, they left it. Now, the police's initial search leads them to believe that this is a kidnapping. So they cordon off John Bonet's room as being what they claim to be the scene of the crime. Now, little did they know that this decision to not look into the cellar door was a huge mistake. Within minutes of the calling of the police, Patsy's also called family friends over to the house and the police stupidly allow them into the home. And throughout the morning, more and more concerned neighbours and friends are at the house, all walking around, even passing the ransom note to each other to read it. Now, the police should not have let them in the house, let alone touch this uh, uh, ransom note. The house is a crime scene. So, not just her bedroom and the note, but the entire home. And they're passing around key pieces of evidence which has now been handled by so many people it's basically useless for dna mm. yeah it's just it's just fucking crime scene 101 isn't it don't contaminate the, the scene before we go further by the way um everything uh, all, all this is our like opinions on the case and stuff just to make that disclaimer yes uh so yeah okay yeah maybe now is, a, is as good a time as any um there is a lot of controversy with this case uh, there are a lot of theories about this case. Theories that I am going to cover. Um, now, 
everyone has their own opinion on what may or may not have happened. Um, we will have our own opinion, but it is that we're not making accusations. We are just basing our opinions on what we have found out through doing some research. Is that fair? That's fair. It's an honest opinion. Yeah. And we move. Yeah. It's all allegedly. Uh, I think is the best place to best way to put it. All allegedly. Um, now, um, mm-hmm. so the attending police officers were beat cops, right? Now, nothing wrong with that. They're hardworking individuals, but what they are not is investigators. All right, they're not investigators. They are beat cops, and the reason why beat cops were sent there is because most of the officers, including investigators, were unable to be uh, there because they've booked off their Christmas as holiday. How fucking stupid is that? Like, p- crime doesn't stop on Christmas Day. No, if anything, break-ins and stuff get more frequent. Yeah, December has got to be a hot spot for break-ins because I tell you what, yeah. I tell you what is in the house a lot of valuables, right? Exactly. Your ho- ba- your your homes basically become banks for stuff, like just everything deposited in the house, all under that tree. You know, loads of stuff, like thousands of pounds worth of gifts is just sitting in the house in a one room um prime time for break-ins and yet these police officers are all taking time off now as far as i'm aware as well not a lot of crime there is i think there was uh, a few break-ins around the boulder area as far as i'm aware there's about 30 odd sex offenders living in the boulder Mm -hmm. area um but there was no murders in the boulder area for that entire year so murder is very uncommon in this region. So maybe the police are just not uh, equipped to sort of deal with it. Um, but anyway, no disrespect, but these police officers are not equipped to deal with the situation in hand. So when there's people just wandering in and out the house, they're not thinking about DNA. They're not thinking about preserving a crime scene. They're just, you know, trying to help out the local family. Mm. Now, supposedly... I've heard this, but I'm, I've not been able to really sort of find it anywhere else. But I, I'll just sort of, that's why I put supposedly, or maybe allegedly is the word. John Ramsey, now we know that the family were due to get a private jet to Michigan to their second home on that day. That's why they woke up so early. Now, supposedly John Ramsey called his private jet and asked for it to be redirected to Atlanta in Georgia instead, which I think is where they live initially. Right. Now, why would he do that? That seems a bit bizarre. No, like, like on the phone saying, "Listen, we need to change it. We need to go back to Atlanta." Um, after the, over their daughter going missing, because as well, they don't know what's happened to the daughter. They so at this point, John Bonet is just missing. They have no idea. They think she's been mm. kidnapped. Uh, and and I, I, apparently, as far as I'm aware, it was the police that stopped them. They were like, "Listen, you can't go nowhere. Like your daughter's missing. You can't go anywhere. You're not going to Atlanta." Um, so that was thwarted, and now, obviously, in the rams uh, in the ransom note, it asks for specifically one hundred eighteen thousand dollars. Now, John John Ramsey appears to have got this already by like seven a.m. Almost as if he's whipped it out of his pocket. This guy has the money, right? So by seven a.m., he's already collected his one hundred eighteen thousand ransom money, um, which seems bizarre. Like, how do the kidnappers maybe know that he could get that so quickly? Um, also, like, 
Also, I don't know an ATM or a bank or whatever that lets you withdraw that amount of money without suspicion. Yeah, yeah. Now that seems that seems uh, a, a fair thing to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, the kidnappers never rang between eight and ten. They never rang to sort out this delivery and pick up of the money. They never called. So he's got this money out, and no one's ever rang him for anything, which seems a bit weird. But also, this isn't funny. <laughs> this isn't funny, but I found it funny, which means it's definitely not funny. Um, Patsy read that note at 5am on December 26th. And it says, um, we will call you tomorrow between 8 and 10 to discuss collection and pickup. Do you think they meant the 27th? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> because it's like, when whoever wrote that note left it there arguably after midnight on the 26th on boxing day and it says we'll call you tomorrow but you know when some people say oh i've got work tomorrow but it is it is already tomorrow because it's like 2 a.m and yeah they, and they go oh, like after you sleep yeah and there's always some smart wanker it's normally me that goes oh you mean today and it's like oh yeah yeah, yeah i mean today yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so when like they're like oh they never called and it's like yeah they're, they're, maybe they meant tomorrow I don't, I don't know that's what went through my head anyway yeah now um not only is this house um in particular this living room just packed out full of fucking uh cops just wandering around trampling all over the place um the ramsey family just sort of crying and friends and family sitting about making cups of tea for everyone the police also brought in a victim's advocate group so you know like victim support people yeah to come in and just sort of help the Ramses. Now, that's fair. That's fine. However, they made such a mess of the crime scene. They they used the kitchen. They're making, like, cups of tea and they're making a breakfast and all this kind of stuff to help them out. But then they wiped the decks down and cleaned it all with, like, uh, spray cleaner. R- removing any potential so evidence. It's so stupid. Like, Oh my god, like this girl has potentially been, uh, as far as we know, this girl's been kidnapped from her own home. There is literally DNA of whoever did it hanging around the air, and you're cleaning the place with like bleach and air spray cleaner. Like, any evidence that could be found at this point now is fucking unusable. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, uh, on, on the day itself, um, as soon as the family are suspected, um, they lawyer up, they immediately get lawyers. And they're like, no, we need protection, which it seems weird. But they are from like they they are rich people, and John works for like a very big company that he probably deals with lawyers all the time. So maybe like he's maybe his lawyer is almost like a friend. You know, you see like in America they've got these like lawyers that have been like family lawyers forever. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it just seems like maybe getting a lawyer seemed like the normal thing. If you work for a big company, you've always have a lawyer involved to deal with maybe business transactions or you know paperwork or that kind of stuff. Maybe that was just a normal thing. Um, but I suppose for those of us that don't deal with lawyers on a day-to-day basis, that seems really sus. I, I guess they did expect to be suspect. I don't know. They they were covering their own backs, but obviously we get on to why they might want to cover their own backs a little bit later. Yes. Now, um, it was also, I think, interesting to uh, point out and I think it's like, what is it, like 90%? I think maybe it's not that high. But in, in a significantly large proportion of cases where a child has gone missing or has appeared, uh, has turned up dead, 
the family knows or has some sort of involvement in that happening um yeah and there generally tends to be a history of abuse when it comes to that child and the family now in Mm. terms of the ramses there does not seem to be any history of abuse however i do think it is fair that the police immediately suspect the family i think it's only fair it's inside the house it's between midnight and 5 a.m something happened to this child of course you're going to assume straight away something happened in the house and until Mm. you speak to these parents and until you're able to say with concrete proof and confidence yep no absolutely no these parents are not as hard as it might be to accuse these grieving parents um you have to suspect them like you have to go through the process suspects for sure yeah you have to go through the process like like We've we've mentioned briefly when we talked about the Shannon Matthews case uh, uh, about the McCanns, right? Now, yeah, uh, everyone was like, "How dare they be accused?" And it's like, well, yeah, they left their kids in a room on their own. Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like, as I was watching the documentary, I was getting a lot of Maddie vibes, especially with how incompetent the police were. There was a lot of similarities. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there are a lot of similarities. Yeah, there certainly are. Um. Now, let's get on to the discovery of John Bonet. So, the only, as far as we know, investigator uh, is Officer Linda Arndt, who says that seeing the atmosphere being rather tense in the house, uh, thought that she would give John something to do. Now, John does have things to do. It's noted that John actually checked his mail um, whilst this is all going on. Like, he went out, got his mail read through it all that kind of stuff which is a bit bizarre but maybe it's just a way of trying to you know stay level-headed because he uh, he's he's referred to as the ice man during this whole saga of mm. his daughter being dead um and i think that's just him being a businessman and just not you know people are not emotional there are some people that aren't like that um so yeah i'm not going to judge him too much in there uh, but yeah linda aren't wanted to give him something to do so she asks john to go search the house from top to bottom very specifically she says go from the top start from the top work your way down now one bear in mind this house is an active crime scene and we know that with murder cases it's usually those closest to the victim that have the biggest motive so when a child dies you know like we've said it's usually the family have got some form of involvement or whatnot so asking john to go search this house is like asking the burglar to go back through the place that he's burgled and just make sure he's not left anything lying around mm-hmm. it's ridiculous it's ridiculous like not like linda it's, it is your job as the police to search this house from top to bottom not not yeah. not the father of the the child that's missing no make him do shit yeah maybe get a statement from him or something um yeah but john being a CEO, he's not going to listen to no one telling him what to do. He doesn't get told what to do. So John decides to check the basement first. In particular, he goes to the locked cellar door that the police chose not to open when they did their initial search. Now that's the bit I do find interesting. That like he's gone directly to that place with his friend of the family, Fleet White. Mm-hmm. He dragged him with him and was like, "Come, you're coming with me. They went straight down to that door that the police never bothered to look in and he opens it. And there he finds the body of his six-year-old, John Bonet, on the floor with a white blanket covering her. He screams, quote, 
Oh my God, my baby. John Bonet's hands were tied and above her head. She had black duct tape covering her mouth, a white cord tied around her neck that was attached to an improvised garrote made from a broken paintbrush. And it was wound so tightly around her neck. And there was also signs of potential sexual assault. John then, instead of bringing the police down to where his daughter is and preserving the crime scene, destroys that crime scene by picking up his daughter and carrying her into the living room that has had several people in and out of all day. So now, any and all DNA evidence that can be used is now all but useless from cross-contamination. And just... Oh. Listen, man, at this point now, there is a dead girl and all you want is for that dead girl to have some sort of justice. And this is the thing that's alarming about this case and all the way through the documentary, they kept referring to it, that she became like a footnote in her own murder. It became very much not about her. Absolutely. But about the family. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it became about the family. It became about the pageants. And it was just pictures of her doing pageants. And it's like, this girl is dead. There is a there is a, there is a yeah. dead girl here. And we need to find who the fuck killed her. And yet you're talking mm-hmm. about everything else. Because this this, mm. this 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 case was so bundled, bundled up from the start. So uh, yeah, you, like the amount of, the police were incompetent by letting the family destroy the crime scene, just not getting correct statements and not checking every room. Yeah, it, it it could have been so easily solved if the police were just decent at their jobs. More than likely, more than likely, I believe that it may have it could have been solved uh, had the the police had just done their like job correctly from the start. Mm. I understand the motives behind trying to you know help the family out and you know calm them down and. You know, you don't want to blame the family. You don't want to blame the parents. However, the shit just doesn't happen randomly. And especially in your little town where this doesn't happen very often at all. So you have to suspect, you know, that the phone's ringing, the phone call's coming from inside the house, you know? Yeah, and if the parents have nothing to hide, then they would be more than happy to comply because they'd want to find who did this to their daughter. Absolutely. So uh, let's talk about that ransom note then. Um, so a total asked was one hundred and eighteen thousand uh, dollars. It seems very, very close to the yearly bonus that John received that year of around one hundred twenty thousand dollars. So that seems very sus from the start, doesn't it? It's really, really specific. Yeah. Also, like, listen, you don't just ask for a, a specific number. Like $118,000. Why not round it to 120? Or moreover... Also, this guy's a millionaire. Like, yeah, do more. Yeah, exactly. This You know this guy's got money. Ask for a million dollars. Like, why don't you ask for a million dollars? Why is it specifically yeah. 118000 which is mm. coincidentally so very close to what he made that year as a bonus? Something you know he could probably get rather quickly. Now, as well... Most ransom notes are around 15 words long, really. They're like, we have your daughter, we want a million dollars, we'll be in contact. This ransom note is very specific and it's very lengthy. And like I say, I think I think I, I believe it to be actually the longest ransom note in an American criminal case. Yeah. And not only that, it uses words like attache and hence, which aren't typically found in ransom notes because... 
you're writing them quickly. You're like, uh, uh, like you're in a rush. You're like, I've got your daughter. I want a million dollars, and I want it now. I'll, I'll be in contact. Like, yeah, there must be adrenaline going through your system when you're doing whatever it is you're doing to write a ransom note. Like, it, it, it you're not using big words. You're not thinking straight. Like, uh, your daughter will be beheaded. And it's like, no, just say I'll kill your daughter. Like, it, there's there's a level of detail in this ransom note that is just too it's too much it's it's almost like it's uh it came from a, a film which again is an interesting part right so it it seems, yeah. it seems that the ramses were very big film buffs and they had quite a few film posters around the house uh and there was one guy there's one documentary i watched which i find fascinating where he says i've seen this quote from another film uh it was a film where he says you know it says like if you see if if you talk if you look at a stray dog she dies if you do this she dies and they're like that's from a film i've heard that from a film Mm, wasn't it dirty harry or something like that yeah something like that um so there's this theory that whoever wrote the note is just sort of never really wrote one before they're writing a ransom note that they think is a ransom note that they think is going to be seen in a film or something you know they're just pulling things from stuff they know uh kind of like i don't know it's kind of like you know when the in-betweeners when they try to like score drugs and it's like can, <laughs> can, can you also roll it for me and it's like what yeah <laughs> it's like that yeah. right so it's a bit bizarre the, the the ransom note is really really weird also i don't know if it listen i i really think this is true and i believe this to be wholeheartedly true i would put money on it and i think i've got it from somewhere but tell me if i'm wrong um the paper that was used to write the notes was paper that came from the house. I don't recall seeing that, but maybe. I believe that to be true. Um, and then there's the handwriting. Um, many, many, many people that review handwriting have uh, come out and said it is rather similar to Patsy's. Yeah. And, now, and that's sort of a... I've, was printers a thing at this time? If you're going to do it, print it. Yeah, printers were around. If not printers, fax machines. Yeah, but then I guess then they'd be like, why was uh, did someone have time to go and print something? Yeah, <laughs> unless yeah. it was pre-planned. Yeah, it would be even worse, wouldn't it? But yeah, so so um, I'm not sure how much I want to uh take the word of people that analyze handwriting um because I know my handwriting can change on day to day. It can change on how tired oh, I for am. Sure. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a very reliable source. Um, much to the uh, m- much to as well analysis of like facial expressions. So I've seen a lot of uh, people talk about the family and how they react on camera. Um, mm-hmm. Like they did it with the McCanns as well, uh, where they're saying, "Oh, but look at the way he looks up when he says this word." Uh, I'm uh, yeah. listen. I'm sure there's a science behind it, and I'm sure you're very good at reading it, but I don't necessarily believe there's much behind it. Um, so I'm not necessarily going to take that as it is. So when there's the whole, yeah. oh, John's so cold, and he doesn't look, and when he says this, she does something different. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I kind of want to go with you on that, but I, I can't. I can't. Yeah, it might just be his character. Yeah, it might just be his character for sure. Um, so, yeah. Um, now... The only other thing I kind of I want to talk about with the the ransom note is just the sheer length of it. Of course, we've spoke about that. It's like one of the longest ransom notes. But someone had to write that, and it 
and uh, in the documentary that uh, that we watched um they actually write the ransom note themselves and time mm-hmm. themselves and didn't they say it took it took them around 20 minutes to write it yeah and that's just mechanically without any thought writing it whereas yeah. the person who would have originally wrote it would have had to have thought whilst doing it so it would have taken longer absolutely they're just copying whereas this person has to write it and not only that they're writing words such as hence and attache and all these kind of things and beheading and it's very mm-hmm. specific now um that took them 20 minutes just to write it now i remember uh, i can tell you just typing it for this episode took me about five minutes um just yeah. to get through it and that's just looking over okay sentence sentence right type 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 sentence read it type 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 like that took me about five minutes just to write that entire thing so how have they had enough time like they've, they've really had enough time to sit and write this down um so either it was written before or 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 while someone else is doing something that person maybe there's two people so one has time to write a ransom note while someone else does something for poor john bonnet yeah okay so events leading to death now the official cause of death is asphyxiation caused by strangulation um because obviously there is an improvised garrote around her neck and it is thought officially on the death certificate that that is what killed her however in terms of uh some form of narrative in terms of what happened it is somewhat thought that she is tasered in her room because there are two marks mm-hmm. on what is her, her arm or is it her back i think it's her back so there's two marks that look suspiciously close to what marks are left by a taser um or a stun gun of sorts uh she's then at that point taken to the basement where potentially some form of sexual abuse may or may not have happened um and it's then she's supposedly strangled and in the event of being strangled it's thought that maybe she woke up and when she woke up she's then bashed on the head and that's what sort of maybe finished it um if i could for a second talk on the sexual abuse um the 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 markings that they sort of noted around that region um that led them to believe there could have possibly been some form of sexual abuse does also seem to be um prevalent in maybe the things that she wore as a beauty pageant girl uh obviously wearing tights all the time and funny costumes and leotards and all that kind of stuff and it is also theorized that maybe that could have been an explanation um uh, for the abrasions that were found in her private areas mm-hmm. um so I mean, personally i don't believe there was any sexual abuse I I am of a similar opinion, yeah. Um, so yeah, that, let's go on to now the theories. Of course, uh, so obviously, poor John Bonnet was found in her own home. She was never actually taken from the home, like the ransom note maybe suggested. So the ransom note has no way of, in terms of like tying up with what actually happened. Um, so it's almost it doesn't match up. They don't match. So there is the intruder theory. Now, could it have been a rival of the beauty pageant ring? You know, John Bonet had won over twenty titles in the in the pageant uh, circles. So maybe it was, I don't know, some girl's mother who was like, "I'm not having this girl win anymore. I want my little girl to win a beauty pageant crown." Maybe. Mm-hmm. Could it have been a business rival of John's? 
so his company, as I've mentioned before, was a subsidiary of Lockheed Martin, the weapons manufacturers. And it does say in the ransom note, whilst we respect your business, we don't respect the company, uh, the country that it works for, or something along those lines. And it also does say it's part of a small foreign faction. Um, so maybe it is um, some form of pissing off John, trying to get him for what him and his company does for the country that is against this small foreign faction maybe but john does seem relatively small fry when it comes to this surely you want to look at more and more government level people right Uh, maybe that's unfair to say Mm. now on the night of the killing two windows were left ajar uh, around the basement area and these were left ajar for cables that were leading to christmas lights up and around the house so that's why they were left there now it's also likely that this is the reason the home alarm system wasn't set that night so that it wouldn't be triggered now not only that there were no footprints in the snow outside of the house so obviously it snowed around boulder colorado um it was a white christmas however i i I not i maybe much to my you know uh, laziness or something uh, didn't look up maybe necessarily the weather forecast for the night of December 25th whether it snowed mm. that night and at what time maybe did it snow because it is possible yeah. that if someone did leave footprints it then snowed over again and they were lost I but mean probably maybe uh, but for whatever reason um, there were no footprints found around the house other than sort of the footpath which was clear um, and that is interesting uh, to point out there. Um, also, there is the spider web. Um, there are several spider's webs around this open window that, that could be used, I suppose, um, that many people suggest and say should have been tampered with, destroyed or damaged. Had if someone someone's climbing through, for sure. Absolutely. If, if someone had climbed through. Now, spider webs are, yeah, they're tough, but they're not that tough. Like, it doesn't take, like, a child could literally whip their hand through it and destroy it. Yeah. Now, a spider might not have been able to weave around another web in that short period of time again. Um, so, yeah, that seems interesting that maybe they're saying that this, this entry exit point in the basement, had it been used, we would have been able to tell. However, there is. Uh, an awkwardly placed or not awkwardly I suppose conveniently placed suitcase by the window that looks like you'd use it as a footstep to get out mm. but again I, I, James I, I'm assuming you've seen the picture of course right um, that window is not massive like you'd have to no, it's small, small you'd window. have to wriggle around on your belly to get out of that window even with using that suitcase and it would seriously yeah. disturb the snow outside uh-huh yeah so, very small yeah it does seem to be that whatever did happen possibly happened from inside the house and it stayed yeah. inside the house Mm-hmm. now we then move on to basically what most people want to go with and it's the family member theory why would, in realistic terms, if if 
we're going to talk in a minute, a dark sense in that. Why would the parents kill their golden child? Because let's be real, John Bonet is Patsy's world. She lived through that girl with the pageantry and everything. She lives through her. And, and, and John seems to be having a really good time having a young family again. See, John actually has previous children who were older. In fact, John actually has one daughter who died. So he knows what it's like to lose a child. So I can't see why he'd necessarily want to lose another one or why he'd do it intentionally anyway. And moreover, like I say, with Patsy, why would Patsy want to get rid of that one thing that keeps her in that pageantry world and she can live through her and win all these trophies through her? It seems bizarre. And and, and if that was the case, I would never be able to understand why they would do such a thing. No, it doesn't make sense. Obviously, I have my theory but i'm sure we'll we'll get onto that in a a little while yes um then we get on to could it have been the brother burke now this theory is thrown around a lot and i personally think there is a good reason for throwing this theory around a lot so things like these don't just sort of like hang around in the air for no reason like most things that hang around ideas wise if an if a theory or an idea lingers and has longevity it's probably because there's some sort of basis behind it that could link you to it um now again just to reiterate from this point on james and i are not saying anyone did or didn't do anything we're just sort of taking what we have found out and sort of making our own assumptions on such things so we're not in any way accusing anyone um, although I think we are going to accuse someone in later on. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I know who I'm accusing. Um, so on the nine one one call, there is a moment before the call is ended that has been enhanced by many a people. In fact, is enhanced on the documentary that James and I watched to research this episode. Right? It appears to sound as though a male voice says, "We are not speaking to you." Now, that is fine. That's interesting. As far as the documentary puts it as well, um, that's the kind of attitude you say to a child. Like, we're not speaking to yeah. you. That's yeah, telling that, silent treatment. You're telling someone off. We're not speaking to you. Now, I don't know about you, James. I am not necessarily a fan of enhanced audio stuff. Like, you know, I don't know if you've ever watched, like, Paranormal Adventures with, like, what's his name? Zach Braff. No, not Zach Braff. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's not Zach Braff Scrubs, but I know you mean Zach something. Yeah. I don't like those. I hate them. That that little spirit box he calls it. And because as soon as you put the word in someone's ear, that's all they hear. Yeah, it's all they can hear. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm not necessarily a fan of it. And when they said it, I could hear it. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just wanting it to be that. But it does, you know, as far as the documentary puts it out, you can hear it. It does sound like someone is saying, we're not speaking to you. Yeah rather sternly as well it's definitely coming from john if that is the case and yeah. um there then appears to be another voice a younger one that seems to say quote what did you find and i think those two in together is just a rather if that is the case if that's definitely what was on the call 
as as that's definitely recorded and if there is a way of proving that that is what was said then it, i think that may be damning mm-hmm. what did you find and then like we're not talking to you we're not speaking to you it's just mm. now bear in mind as well as far as the uh, testimonies go for them Bert is in bed asleep uh there are only four people in the house one of them is dead the parents are up yep. and burke apparently is asleep so why would we hear all the conversation <laughs> now hmm. the the events of this theory seem to go as such right if if we want to go with the brother john bonnet was not fed pineapples and milk when they got home so as john puts it it was uh, way after dark when they got back in the ki- the kids were zonked out and the kids were put straight to bed however pineapple and milk which happened to be John Bonnet's favourite snack, was found, which is disgusting, by the way. Who puts pineapple and milk together? Let's not get into this, otherwise we'll get into a whole pizza-pineapple argument. <laughs> That's another episode. Okay. Uh, so, pizza and... Pi- Sorry, oh Christ, you've got pizza on my head now, and I'm having pizza later for dinner. Now, pineapple and milk, which happens to be her, John Bonnet's favourite snack, was found in her stomach during the autopsy, so... She got it from somewhere. Now, it's theorised that Burke went to the kitchen for a late night snack of pineapple and milk. John Bonet wandered down into the kitchen too, and she wanted some of Burke's snack, but he wasn't having any of it. So John Bonet steals some of his pineapple, and in a fit of rage, Burke grabs, alleg- uh, allegedly, uh, grabs um, a mag light uh, flashlight found in the kitchen and whacks her around the head which kills her or at least puts her to the very point of looking dead allegedly now in terms of the in terms of that being the case i have no problem with what has been done here in terms of listen siblings fight and they fight all the time and sometimes they push it too far like my sister broke her twin's arm pushing her off a bunk bed because she didn't want her to be on top of the bunk bed she didn't mean (laughs) to break her arm or potentially kill her she just didn't want her on the bunk bed so she pushed her off and she broke and dislocated her arm kids do this shit man siblings fight and siblings Mm -hmm. push it too far i'm sure you and your brother have had horrendous fights growing up Uh, i was a lot more malicious as a kid i wasn't very violent but i remember one day he really pissed me off and he had this really rare pokemon card so i took some scissors and (laughs) cut it in half That is cold. I was a lot more vindictive. <laughs> that is very cold. That is Dr. <laughs> Evil levels of just maniacal. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. It was probably worth money now, so oh, I've yeah. got myself to blame. Yeah. So I I have no problem with siblings fighting. And I in this instance, I don't really have problems with, uh, if this be the case, the brother hitting his girl, he's hitting his little sister around the head, like, I'm, 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 it's just anger kids just get angry and kids just do shit and I, I can see this happening i want to stab my sister with a pen like i didn't mean to kill her but i did it because i was an upset and angry and kids just can't really like uh express themselves properly so you just grab the nearest thing and just swing it so i mean yeah there's there's no intent of murder of course not so to carry on with this potential theory the parents then allegedly discover what's happened and fearful of losing another child because they are assuming that she has at this point died uh try to cover up this horrendous accident to protect their 
the sun. Now, this is, it's well, allegedly. We don't know. We don't know. The Ramses, in terms of the parents, have been cleared. Um, Patsy died in like 2002, I think it was, or 2004. Um, she unfortunately passed away. John is still around. Burke is still around. He's in his 30s. Um, is an engineer. Um, and this case, this, this case is cold. It's just kind of just gone down. Um, so the taser marks if we're to carry on with that that theory sorry for a second there's the, there are the two taser marks that we sort of discussed um was it a taser mark at all now james i mentioned this train track theory to you and you were like oh i'm not sure i haven't got to that point yet but now you've heard it what do you think yeah, for sure so so the taser on the documentary you watched they tasered this guy to see what the reaction of the skin would be and it wasn't in line with what the marks on john bonnet's skin was like however there was a train track in the basement. There was like a model train set, you know, where you just watch trains go around. And part of that train track, like the little bits that clip into the next part of the track, fits the sort of space of the the hole. So it looked like she had been like jabbed with this train track. Whether it was, I th- so I'm to go. I'm just going to go with my theory right now. I'm just going to get out of there. So I I'm I think that it was the brother. I think it was Burke. I think he did. She did go down and steal his pineapple, like chunks or whatever. And then he got angry, grabbed the torch, which fits the description of how her skull was like cracked. They tested that as well, and it all it all fits. And then um, she would either she was dead. I think I think she died on impact. And then to try and see if she was waking up, they jabbed her with the or he jabbed her with the train track to see if she would get up but i think to contextualize burke as well like a year previous he had hit around the head with a golf club um he would smear feces over his room and on the snacks that she had from christmas he had smeared feces on that as well he was very jealous of his sister Mm. and i think that really like i don't know i think it stacks it against him a little bit because that's weird behavior man like smearing shit everywhere and like he has previous of hitting her with a golf club she could have died then yeah yeah um, so um, that that's that's why I think. Yeah, uh, and then obviously there's the interviews uh, with Burke as a nine year old, which are a bit bizarre. He just he's so removed from it. He just doesn't care. Yeah, he's just on about playing video games all the time. He just like he does not show any like. Or it's, even if you remove the fact that he potentially killed his sister, he just is completely oblivious to the fact that his sister's dead. He's just going on with life. Yeah, it it, it seems like as if um this child who possibly feels as though they've been neglected for so long is now getting attention and they'll just say whatever's on their mind because someone's listening mm. i don't uh, think he intended to kill her i think he just lashed out with the torch and i think he had anger issues i think he had some sort of problems mm. and unfortunately she he ended up killing her accidentally yeah um yeah uh, i am of the same opinion and then the parents just tried to cover it up by writing this random massive ransom letter and like garroting her in the basement to make it look like she'd been, I don't know, strangled to death or what have you. Yeah. But because and then obviously I think they purposefully contaminated the crime scene, so then there was just nothing that could come out of it. Yeah, because obviously um they uh they actually took away John Bonnet's underwear and they tested that 
and they found DNA that didn't come from the family at all, uh, which they found really bizarre, which made them look for someone else outside the, outside the family. But then someone else later on tested a random pair of underwear from an unopened package and managed to find DNA. And they said, this is contaminated from whoever created this piece of uh, underwear. So their DNA is going to be on it. So it makes no sense. Yeah. Like it, it's almost inconclusive from the get-go. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose it's now once it's been washed um, and it maybe it can be cleaned a bit more of that DNA and over time maybe that wears away and then what's left is whoever keeps wearing it. I don't know. But yeah, yeah the DNA is significantly compromised uh, in this case in every bloody corner of it. Um yeah, I, I have almost the exact same uh, opinion as you, James. Um, I think I, I follow this 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 family member brother theory. Um, it is of my own opinion, of course. Um, I'm not necessarily <laughs> just sort of... Uh, listen, I'm not calling for him to be arrested or nothing. I think it may have been a potential accident. I don't think the parents had any fucking... Um, uh, any... Uh, thing to do with the death itself. Um, no, not at all. Uh imagine how fucking awful that must have been uh to find her they were just trying to protect their their kid they went about it in completely the wrong way but i think they panicked and wanted to protect their son which you can see the you can see the logic there absolutely absolutely um so yeah uh, do you think this case will ever be solved no i think all the dna and all the evidence is completely flushed down the pan now unless uh, during the time unless john bennett or um Burke has said something to someone and they come forward or the two individuals themselves come forward I, I don't think so mm. no I agree I agree um well uh if if this is the first time you've heard about this uh story horrendous story of a poor young girl um which I think is it, it needs to be remembered this is a, about the death of a young girl um it's not about the family it's not about the, the bungling of this crime scene it's about a poor young girl who lost her life way too young um i would i would recommend you look into it a bit more um there's there's tons of documentaries there's tons of books there's tons of audiobooks and loads of stuff out there um to look into if you you are interested in this of course um please do be careful because <laughs> uh obviously we're not trying to we don't want to accuse no one or anything uh, we're just taking what we've found and making an assumption based on that um if you uh are aware of this case of course now you know our thoughts and feelings on it and i hope we've aligned with you if we haven't i would genuinely be interested to hear what you have to say there's many a case about this journalist who played santa claus the night before on like the 21st um who apparently was obsessed with john bonnet and apparently when in hospital was given a jar of sand or something that was collected by john bonnet and he said to his wife that when he dies, he wanted that to be put in his ashes. Um, like, that's a bit weird. That's fucked. That's very bizarre. Um, and yeah, there's many, many other people that's like... There's one guy who um, he confessed to her death, the killing. And then, obviously, apparently wasn't even in the state at the time. So it's like, mm. okay, people just do this weird stuff. Um, but yeah. Merry Christmas, Merry Merry Boxing Day, everyone. I I hope you found that interesting. Um, 
I would, I genuinely would. We would be very, very interested to hear what you have to say. If you have any theories or, or whatnot, please do hit us up. Uh, it tends to be the most places Instagram. Um, most people message us on Instagram. So if you are on Instagram, you can find us there. We will reply. Uh, it's generally like I'll get to you like within a minute or two if you reply. And I'm always on my phone. Um, or if James is at the pub, he will reply to you yeah, very quickly. Yeah, I think quickly. I, I need to address this. I need to apologize. Rowan, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. <laughs> So we got we got a message off one of our listeners, and I would just handed in an assignment, and I was in the pub, and I was about like seven pints deep, and I decided that was the time to respond, and <laughs> I'd read it back the next day, and I'm so I'm so sorry. Um, uh, yeah, for context, Rowan uh, Rowan has been listening to the show almost from the get go, um, and she was one of the first people to ever contact us. So Rowan is a dedicated friend of the show, um, um, and yeah, James has messaged you drunk um, after requesting an episode. Um, so yeah about the more you know what as an apology after my next monarchy episode i'll find one on mormons and do it on that there you go rowan that's just for you um so yeah thank you very much for listening i hope you found this interesting uh like i say do hit us up if you have anything theory wise that you'd like to talk to us about we generally are interested for the discussion um uh next episode we're going to be uh part twoing our british monarchy series um <laughs> where we will round off all. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, round <laughs> Hopefully. off all of the English monarchs. If you're interested why in the English monarchs, this? why have I done this? I don't know why I've done it, but I've started it now, so I've got to fucking finish it. Yeah, and exactly. then it's over, it's done, and we never have to do it again. Yeah, no, exactly. And then all we have to do is just pick and choose whoever we want out of that episode who we want to talk about. Um, yeah, it's a glossary. Yeah, it's a glossary. If, if anything, it's 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 a menu for our audience to go through and find out who they want us to talk about in more in depth. <laughs> yeah absolutely that's exactly what it is yeah uh so yeah uh follow us on all the socials um if you'd like to support us um obviously now is as best time as ever it's christmas it's time for giving so if you'd like to donate to the show um obviously um you guys helped pay for this show um you paid for the dis- distribution rights of the show for the entire year uh if you'd like to help us continue uh for the next year um please do consider donating to the Kofi page if you'd like to find out about my story about me dancing in my mum's uh, nightling gown, dressing gown, um, then yeah, pay for it and I'll tell you. <laughs> if you'd like to wear some of our merch, um, you can do so by heading to the merch store, twpd.store. Um, and yeah, you can pick up all of your merch there. And yeah, uh, uh, as, as, as the year, it's been a good year. Uh, thank you very much for sticking with us all year. Uh, we apologize for any delays there have been to episodes. I know there's been a many, <laughs> but we're very busy. Um, but mm. every, every time we come out with an episode, you guys are straight on it. And you, you guys have been fantastic support. Um, so thank you very much for listening. Thank you for joining us for an, another year. Uh, and there's, there's tons more of you as well. Um, there are so many more of you this year than there were last year. So, um, that's all because of you uh you guys evidently are sharing and talking about us and more people are listening so hello to everyone else who is new um thank you to those who have been hanging around and um yeah i hope you all have a fantastic christmas well put all right see you on the next one bye